everyone. Welcome everyone to today's uh, ILTA 25 minute cameras on uh, podcast panel interview entitled Legal Career Labyrinth, Navigating Your Unique Path in Law. I'm your moderator today, Adi Jubad Baklas. I'm a senior project manager at CBRE in legal operations. Um, and I'm thrilled to welcome our panelists today. We have Danette Schaefer, who's a facilitator, relationship intelligence co coach, learning strategy, learning strategist, sorry, tongue, tongue twister, um, with Flourish and Consulting. We have Amy Wagner, executive coach and consultant with AB Wagner LLC, and Esther Bowers, who's the chief practice innovation officer at Honing and LLP. Esther, we also especially welcome you from the Legal Value Network. We are excited about this collaboration. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. All right. So, Amy, we're going to start. We're going to kick off with you first. Um, tell us a little bit about your professional journey and when you were able to kind of steer your ship in regards to your roles in law firms. Sure. So, um, well, now I do executive coaching and consulting. Prior to this. I was the chief practice innovation officer at Paul Hastings, and I spent my whole career at Paul Hastings. Sometimes when I talk about it, I feel like it's a breathtaking number of years that I was there for 28 years. But I started out uh, in finance. I worked in office administration and HR, and then I moved to business development and marketing. And then I uh, was given the opportunity to lead, innovation, lead the innovation and knowledge function. And as I kind of navigated my career at that firm, I had a lot of opportunities to um, build on the skills that I had already developed and also leverage the relationships that I already had at the firm to move into each role, each one which had um, increasing levels of responsibility as well. So I was able to prove myself, but also people knew what I was able to accomplish. So I was able to take that as I navigated through the firm and uh, build out innovation team, uh, which uh, still stands today and is doing a terrific job. Um, but doing, I did the same kind of thing when I moved into coaching and starting my own business. So I took the skills that I had being in all of these different uh, administrative functions at a law firm and then moving into leadership roles and then segued that into having my own business where I now coach people who are in leadership roles who are either leading their own, their organi own organizations or are leading functions at companies that support legal services or people who are in law firms as well. So I've kind of just basically been able to build on everything by navigating through all of these different functions and then taking those skills and putting them in the next slot. Esther, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, so a little bit similar to Amy's in that I have kind of spanned across various functions within legal, starting initially in legal education and professional development, segueing into business development. And um, being in the business development function, I was able to see a lot of the different firm strategies and business initiatives that were going on. So um, begin to understand where the firm was needed to be like best situated for a competitive um, for a competitive position and started to notice that there were things going on within the market as it relates to how clients were purchasing services and built from there, built out our um, legal project management function, our client feedback programs and client initiatives, which has um, then segued into um, legal operations and innovation. So uh, kind of a broad range of different roles within the firms and um, which has been fantastic to understand kind of 
different perspectives and just the the larger um, connection points throughout the firm can really help to make um, folks in my role more effective. Great. Danette, how about you? So I started my career out in 2002 at a small Florida-based firm. Um, we had seven offices, 500 people, and I was a tier one help desk uh, member of the IT department. And so I really learned everything on the job. I had a great team that took me under their wing and really helped show me the ropes. Um, in that role, I worked with all the different infrastructure, the network infrastructure, and that gave me a really deep understanding, a broad understanding of how the IT infrastructure works within any organization, Exchange, SQL servers. I mean, I got to work on the intranet. It was really a, a great opportunity and a good starting place. Um, I did elevate to a help desk manager at that point within, within that five-year span at my first firm, but I love the training aspect of it. And I wanted to be more proactive at helping people get comfortable with technology. So naturally I moved into training. Um, my last firm that I was with was a global firm. So I kind of went from like, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say small, but small, medium to medium to large was my, my uh, career journey. And that's where I spent 13 years really kind of expanding my experience in the legal realm because I started under the IT department. At some point we were under HR and then we moved under professional development. And having that experience and being in that place, I, if you're an IT trainer, you know everybody that has a piece of software will come to you and say, hey, can you help me create a training program for this? That's where the dot connecting began to come into play. And as we expanded our services, I was given the opportunity to write my last three job descriptions. So um, as I was looking to kind of elevate and move through the through through my career, through my labyrinth, my legal labyrinth over there, um, I noticed that our operations side of what I was doing just really didn't exist, right? It wasn't a formal thing within the IT training department or professional development department. So I was able to really um, branch out and create new pieces of the business to help it streamline, especially on the IT and professional development side, what we were doing. Um, and before I left in 2021, I was the global director of learning and development. And, and like Amy, I now have my own consulting business. It's a boutique firm. I am Flourishin. Flourishin is me. It's all about learning strategy, professional development, um, anything that has to do with the people side of business. And I infuse technology into all of my professional development because you have to. I, I'm very um, passionate about not only providing someone the why should they do something, but the how. And including and infusing technology into that, I think, is a, cri a critical component of that. So I think you touched, touched on this a little bit, but what steps did you take and research did you do to kind of move into that next role? And we'll so, kick off with you. Sure. Um, again, when, when I first uh, got into the training space, I was super excited about, you know, just being able to help people really leverage and adopt technology. And then as I moved through these different departments and, and spent some, some time there, you begin to see where there's some opportunities for improvement. And that's the one thing, right? There's always opportunity for improvement, no matter what. So um, 
I was given the opportunity when we got under the professional development department to kind of, and I was, I was kind of a squeaky wheel too, when I saw things <laughs> weren't working uh, or weren't streamlined rather, or maybe we didn't have a process around something. And I think that's just the project manager in me because um, <laughs> I did study project management for a long time. And my director at that time said, well, tell me what it is that you think we need. And so I began to do research. First, I took my original job description, and then I began to write out a new job description based off of the gaps that I was seeing and the opportunities for improvement that I was seeing. And then I went online and started looking at the different job postings and trying to compare what I had to what was out there, because I really didn't know what this role was supposed to be. And operations kept coming up over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, this is an operations you know, position. So when I, I went back to my director and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I'm and, and I really didn't have a goal to manage people. It was about the processes and the projects. Um, and she said, well, you're not managing anyone. You, you, who else would you work with? And I was like, oh, oh, I didn't really think about that. So I went back and that's how I formally created a brand new um, branch of the professional development department. We called it training and development operations. So it was webinar support. It was the LMS administration, curriculum design, QA, um, and, and we created streamlined processes to be able to work together, right? How do the trainers and the operations side of the house work together? But that it even expanded beyond that. And so it, it really was kind of, identifying what it was that I really wanted to do, comparing it to industry standards, and then gaining buy-in from my my leadership to be able to move into that role. Yeah. Um, Amy, what about you? What kind of research did you do in, to get where you're trying to go or even decide where, where you were trying to go? Well, for me, a lot of the work that I did to figure out where I was heading was through informational interviews. So if I had an idea as to the kind of work that I wanted to do, I started looking in the market at people who might already be doing that work and I would contact them. And early on in my career, somebody had said to me, you know, if you really want to make a choice, you've got to do informational interviews. And I was like, yuck, right? <laughs> because I was, you know, I was quite junior. I found it intimidating. And the idea of reaching out to somebody who was more senior than me and just being like, I'm curious about what you're doing and how do I get there? was really um, scary for me, but I, you know, mustered up the courage to start doing it. And then once I got started, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. Powerful for a few reasons. One is because, well, first is because you put yourself out there and say, I want to be a per person that moves on in my career, right? So you're, you're, you're throwing it out into the universe. I'm ready to move forward and I want to grow and I want to learn. But also it's powerful because you learn so much from the people who are already doing the job that you are in. You learn what are the pitfalls, you learn how to get there, you learn what are the things that they like and what they don't like, and they're willing to share everything. What's amazing, I mean, you're seeing it on this podcast where people like to talk about themselves, right? So when you call somebody and you say, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing and what you're learning and how you got there, people are more than willing to share. And on top of it, they're also more than willing to make connections for you with other people that they know who could be useful in your career journey. So that's another real big advantage of informational interviews is you just keep building your network as well. Yeah, I love that. I personally love introducing people to each other. Me like, have you met this person? They can tell yeah. you a little bit more about what they do. I love that. Well, you and I did that together. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have direct experience with that, yes. yeah. 
I love that too. That is, I've learned so much from people around the industry, both internally in the firm, but also in other firms. I just kind of, I've enjoyed that experience as the, the, the personal network piece of this. Um, for me, I, I've, I, in terms of like how I've kind of navigated through that and is um, I read a lot of information on uh, market trends, on the legal industry, what's going on, subscribing to survey reports, just very like I study the market. And I distinctly remember in 2011 reading an American Lawyer article on the um, beginnings of legal project management in litigation matters. And I was a litigation BDM at the time, and I thought, we we could do this. This is absolutely something that our clients would love, and this is something that's absolutely needed, just seeing how the litigation group would benefit from legal project management disciplines. Um, so I presented that to our leadership. They were not ready for those ideas. They were not, they, our clients are happy, we function very well, this works very well for us. Okay, so I I was very like passionate that I knew this is what was going to take off and became certified as a legal project manager, kind of took courses, watched, continuously watched what the market was doing in that space. And in 2012, they were ready. At the end of 2012, they were ready. And um, that afforded me the opportunity to launch the LPM program at the firm, build a team to support that in alongside our pricing director, because many of those functions go hand in hand. So launched it together with him. But that is um, that was a pivotal turning point is being able to understand what business practices and operational practices best fit with our legal practices and starting to introduce those ideas as a way to streamline client service, um, improve our efficiencies internally and that sort of thing. So that I remember that was a that was a key moment in my career. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some ways, I think you touched on this a little bit, what are some ways that you were able to communicate with management leadership about, you know, what your goals were, what your vision was, and then how to let you do it essentially? Yeah, so it's happened a couple of times in my career. So I'll start with that example in particular. Um, as I mentioned, that was for litigation. I did a significant uh, amount of research on litigation specifically as it relates to, um, um, you know, improvement, what clients were asking for, you know, what their responses are, how they're measuring, how they're starting to measure the emergence of legal operations in, in our clients' um, organizations and combined that data with market data with the firm's data and knowing kind of what the strategy was for building out that practice within the firm. Um, another another time in creating my own um, path was to point out to leadership, and again, it, it, it's based on what's going on at the moment. I try to connect it with the strategy of what the firm is trying to accomplish and understanding what they're trying to accomplish, I can propose these solutions. So sometimes it's not always about bringing that idea the first time you have the idea to leadership. It depends on their readiness and it depends on what other motivators they have going on at the moment. Um, so I've been able to attach these sorts of things to things that the firm is trying to accomplish and, and showing them a path for getting there, showing them a path on how there's synergies between different functions. If we bring these together or if we streamline this or that, 
Um, so that's kind of been uh, an, an angle that I've been able to, um, you know, use in in describing what these roles can do, how they can function, and most of all, how it brings value to the firm. Yeah, I think that's such a critical point in basically any organization is tell them what they're going to get out of it mm -hmm. because that's really what they care about. Danette, that's hard. That can be really hard it at times. Is, it is. Yep. Danette, how about you? Yeah, I think I'll echo it's it's about it really is about the facts, right? And the data and the ROI for the effort and for the changes. Um, change is always something that is a little bit hard. And if you can clearly communicate why and how it's going to benefit uh, the firm as a whole, right? And the client service, I think that's a big piece of it. We're always looking to make sure that we're keeping our clients at the forefront of whatever we're doing. That's huge. Uh, for me, I was I was I was in a position where I was often in the room with managers and leaders because we were working on firm wide projects. Um, so I had the exposure that was that was helpful. And I will tell you, as an IT training uh, professional and and then eventually manager, supervisor, uh, director. But I, at first, I had to really advocate for me and my team to be in the room with the right people at the right time, having the right conversations, because often we were left as that last mile to the, the rest of the firm, sometimes we weren't brought to the table early enough to really have an impact. But when they saw that there was value there, when I was able to help advocate and communicate the value of having us at the table earlier, we were there, you know? So I think that's a big part of it. And I, I love what you said, Esther, about being ready. You may have a fantastic cutting edge idea on, on how things could go to improve things, but if they're not ready, or they don't see how it ties into their strategic goals, they're not ready, but don't give up, right? Yeah. Amy, how about you? I have much more to add other than what Esther and Danette uh, shared already, but I think for me, aligning what I wanted to do with where the firm was heading or what clients were saying that they wanted, I think was critical so that leadership understands we need these roles. These roles are what our clients are asking for. These roles are what the market is demanding. And so we have to change as an organization. And so with that, these kinds of roles that we want to create are are what are, are part of, how, of the evolution of the organization. So if you can align those two things, you can generally, well, I shouldn't say generally have success, but it's, it's critical towards gaining success. Great. And I think we've touched on some of this in, in some of your answers already, but Amy, we'll start with you. Tell me about some obstacles you've run into, challenges, you know, in like in terms of job descriptions, career paths. Um, how did you overcome those? I think that as we talked about at the at the start, the research element is critical. Um, but what about what else? Well, I think that you have to be really careful when you're when you're creating roles that are kind of seen as nice to have, but not necessarily critical, right? So you have to take the perspective of the leaders of your organization and think about the fact that when they are creating these new jobs, they have to pay money for that job. And that's the salary and that's the benefits. And that's all of these things that go into creating a headcount. And that can be costly. And that's not to say that you should be discouraged in, you know, suggesting to the organization, we need to evolve, we need these different types of roles, and I'm perfectly suited to do it, right? But you have to recognize there's a cost, 
And you need to demonstrate what the return on investment is going to be and how the firm um, or the organization that you're in is going to really benefit from making this change, moving you out of what you're currently doing and into a new type of role that potentially they're not they're not really used to having. So be prepared to demonstrate how this is beneficial from a financial standpoint for the organization, recognizing that they're going to have to go through some change to get you personally to where you want to be. Excellent points. Esther, what about you? What what are some challenges? You yeah, um, that all sounds very familiar, Amy. Uh, another <laughs> challenge that I've um, experienced um, is when these new roles emerge, like how to work across with my peers and understanding and educating how this role is distinct and different than what they do or what I previously did, and then how those roles work with others in the group. And so that's that's been a journey. Um, it's it's an education of, of, of what it is that we're doing. Um, it's an education of how we can help them advance their initiatives as well. And it's not intended to be in any way threatening. And, you know, if you think about innovation, innovation in some situations sits within IT. Well, that can be a bit, um, it can be some friction there if there's not understanding about the distinct roles and how um, there isn't an, an interest in taking over one, one thing or another. It is really to complement each other and to keep the firm moving and evolving. Um, so that's been some of the challenges that I've, I've experienced and you had to be kind of aware of. Unfortunately, I, I wish I had known that heading in. Maybe I, my my positioning would have been a little bit different, but that's definitely a learning that I've experienced is that that um, education and figuring out how these things work across uh, peer groups. Danette, what about you? I, I love the touching on the cross-department collaboration and communication. It's almost like socializing the change, right? And, and that is something I think to your point has to be done even before you that change takes place. As soon as you know that it's coming, you have to start talking to your peers. And, and that means across the aisle. So I'm a huge advocate for that. I think um, uh, we had an interesting position, a unique position where tech training at that time was already working with all these different departments. So the, the communication was there. It was just about getting them on board to understand why was there gonna be whatever shift in our approach. Um, and, and part of that was creating a metrics speed team. So we began to gather metrics about the services that we were already providing and the fact that we were becoming more and more uh, requested as part of firm-wide webinar support. As everybody turned, and this is pre-pandemic, as everybody turned to virtual events, that kind of sat within the the professional development department. I, IT was, you know, they were kind of like, no, you guys can keep it because we had it. And and um, so we did. And that's where the operations department came from. That's where the branch of that came from. But the way we were able to formalize it was preemptively gathering data about the activity and the usage and the request and the work that we were already doing and being able to use that as part of our our you know business case for for some of the changes that we made. So I do think preemptively looking at it and and getting the data in place if you have the ability to gather tr true metrics, gather it even if you have to do it um manually for a little while. Yeah. So we are coming up on time, but um any if you could tell someone one thing um 
as they are trying to prepare for their next role. Esther, we'll kick off with you. What's one thing you would tell someone as they're starting the process? Start where they currently are, make improvements, take on something that someone else doesn't want to do, but does advance the initiatives um, and measure it so that you can report report on that. Great. Danette, what about you? Stay curious. Um, I think curiosity and asking questions and understanding why you might run into a no initially is really important. So don't necessarily give up. Um, if you don't get that yes you're looking for the first time, stay curious uh, and, and ask questions and continue to, to just kind of um, observe the trends that are going on and, and notice those gaps. And I think that uh, eventually with, the, with all the tips that you've heard today, you'll get where you're looking to go. All right, Amy, what about you? Uh, I would say that accept the fact that if you're in the legal industry, change takes time. This is not an industry that moves quickly. So if you are looking to make significant change, whether it's in your career or the, or the firm or the organization that you're in, it's going to take time. So to the point Jeanette made, don't get discouraged. Just keep at it because change does happen and you can make it happen, but you just have to give it the, you need to let it, it run its course. That's excellent advice. Um, yes. <laughs> thank you, all of you. Amy, Donat, Esther, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope the audience will tune in to enjoy. Um, and consider liking, commenting, and subscribing to ILTA Podbean. ILTA and its CCTs are continuously posting timely and quality digital content for consumption by the legal technology industry. Take care and have a great day. Thank you.